0: You're listening to Popaganda, the feminism and pop culture podcast. Today, we're talking about something that makes many of us deeply uncomfortable, money, money feelings, so many feelings. I want to talk about taking an idea, a creative idea, and making it into your work, making it into your job, your business, but in a way that's not exploitive of anybody, making a business without like selling out, (laughs) just to be cliche about it. Can you make your art into your livelihood without starting to hate it? To talk about this idea, I called up two of America's enterprising small business owners located in the heart of North Carolina.
1: Uh, I'm Phoebe Judge, and I'm the host of Criminal.
0: I'm Lauren Spohr, and I'm the co-creator and producer of Criminal. You know Phoebe and Lauren well, if you listen to lots of podcasts. They're the host and producer of Criminal, a show that explores crime in the United States from a really thoughtful and not sensational or black and white, good guys, bad guys kind of perspective. It's a philosophical show, and one that often makes me think in new ways. Phoebe and Lauren met while working on a more traditional radio show, The Story, with Dick Gordon. When that show was canceled, Phoebe and Lauren spent a night on a porch, having a drink, and Lauren suggested they start up their own show. Phoebe thought it was impossible. But months later, they did. At the time, Lauren was making a living as a dog walker and an adjunct professor. Phoebe was working as a radio reporter. Now, they both work full-time on Criminal. They're on their 65th episode, and this month, they're on the West Coast doing live criminal shows. I talked with them about what it took to quit their day jobs, and how money shaped their outlook on launching their own show and business. Okay, Let's start off by talking about your relationships to money growing up. Did you two grow up in houses with enough money, not enough money? What did you think about money as a kid?
1: Well, this is Phoebe. I mean, I think, you know, I grew up in, one could only say, kind of a perfectly fine financial household. Um, there was enough money to do everything that we might want to do, but not so much money that we could do anything we wanted. Um I think my parents were both, you know, responsible with money, and I I never wanted for anything that I needed at all, but I certainly wasn't able to go shopping every week um, or get, you know, just have a whim, get what I wanted. I mean, money was there, but both of my parents kind of worked, my father worked in public radio and my mother worked for the city of Chicago. And so we were perfectly comfortable. But, you know, the, we, I was aware of money and and having money and not having money. And um, so that's that's how I grew up.
2: Uh, Phoebe makes fun of me a lot and says that an important difference between our personalities and the way we grew up is that when I go to an ice cream place or a frozen yogurt place, I always want toppings. And
1: you weren't allowed to have toppings. I was never allowed to have toppings. And Lauren, like with no abandon, she's like, I'll have this and this one and this one. (laughs) And that's the wildest thing to me. Like an ice cream cone was like the gigantic treat. And I think that I oftentimes... We're doing something or buying something or thinking about something. And I say, oh, well, it's just like getting another topping, huh, Lauren? Um, You call them mix-ins. Yeah, mix-ins. But I was only allowed to go to, like, one tasty freeze in Chicago. Like, I never even knew that there were kind of boutique ice cream stores, or you know, with mix-ins and things. Um, So... Also,
2: what, was, what kind of ice cream did your dad buy again? Like prunes or something? No, he would
1: only buy one type of ice cream, spumoni, which is... Um, Every child's favorite. Chocolate and pistachio and cherry. And so uh, like, we would just eat the chocolate, of course. I have
0: never heard of spumoni flavor. That sounds like the worst ice cream. Like even the name sounds like baloney.
1: Yes, spumoni. You wouldn't know about it. I mean, it's the worst ice cream flavor that's ever
0: existed. So you guys are both in your 30s now, and not that 30 always marks a change, but I'm wondering, what's your relationship to money these days? How has your thinking changed since those days of
1: terrible Spumoni ice cream? I mean, I have a lot more money now than I did when I was in my 20s. My first job, uh, I was working, uh, my real job was I was working as a public radio reporter in Mississippi, and I got paid once a month. And when that paycheck came in, I would like pay my bills, and there would be so there wouldn't be much money left. There'd be like few, like $400 or something and $500 for the month. And I was working really, really hard and all the time. And the interesting thing is that like for that $500 for me to like buy food and gas and keep myself going and all stuff, I was never struggling. I never felt like I was wanting anything and it was always fine. And I'm in my 30s and I have more money than that. And I don't feel any different than when I was, you know, when I had $500 at the end of the, for the month than I do when I have more than that. You know, I think my relationship to money has remained, like I'm, I'm, I think, well, what's better to say is that Lauren and I constantly believe that criminal will go under and we will, we will be out of jobs and so we're never comfortable in the fact that we can actually pay ourselves now. We're always ready at any moment. Um, she's going to go back to dog walking and I'm going to go back to landscaping and we're fine with that. Like We'll be perfectly fine, but we we, we always think that might be around the corner.
0: Lauren and Phoebe started talking about the idea for Criminal. That
1: night, they found out that the radio show they worked on was going off the air. We were sitting uh, later that night, probably, we were sitting on my back porch, um, having a beer and smoking cigarettes, because we both used to get to smoke back then. We don't anymore. That's also something that happens in your 30s. But um, So we were on the back porch and talking about what was next. And, and Lauren said, well, why don't we start the show now? And I thought, like, what, I, no, we can't do that. What do you, how do, we're not allowed to just start a show. And then she said, you know, uh, there are lots of pu- people who listen to public radio who also watch Law and Order, even if they don't want to admit it. But there's no public radio show about crime. Let's do a show about crime. And I thought to myself when she said that, you know, I've said this a lot in interviews, like, that's the smartest thing I've ever heard. We're never going to run out of stories. And so from that moment, we decided that we would do a crime show. And that was in uh, late August. And we spent the next six months thinking, I mean, we, we tricked ourselves into believing that this was going to be the best thing ever. We took this so seriously. And I think we took it so seriously in thinking this is going to be important. And this is going to be good. And this is good. Because um, if we didn't, if we were more just haphazard, and we were more just like, oh, this is a hobby, I don't think we would have gotten it done. Because it required us doing it at night and on the weekends, and we both had full time jobs. And so I think that we just pretended that this was going to be a A wonderful success and we started that that night uh, in August and the first episode came out at the end of January.
0: How did you guys actually start making the show?
2: Well we we set up a little recording studio in my bedroom closet and we put blankets everywhere. We had some equipment um, and we I think I mean we've worked in public radio for a long time um, so I think that the sort of technical skill was something that we didn't have to stress out about right like we knew how to We knew how to edit. We knew how to record. You know, Phoebe had a lot of experience by that time hosting and doing interviews. So I think for us, the big challenge was thinking, like, was the sort of, like, design of the show. Like, what is this show going to sound like? What is this show for? Um, What kinds of stories do we want to tell? What kinds of stories aren't we hearing? And, like, what, what do we think that we can make that no one else is already making? And I think we recorded three, three... Things that we thought were going to be the first episode, and then we ended up saying, this isn't good enough. Like, this would not keep me from switching over to top 40 in the car. Like, this story's still not good enough. So that that was a lot of trial and error of just sort of saying, like, okay, we don't have an editor. We don't have a senior producer. We don't have anyone who's going to tell us what to do so we can truly make the very best story we can possibly think of.
0: So, Phoebe, I'm wondering, when Lauren said you two should make a show about crime, you thought, A, that's genius, but B we can't do that. What was behind that skepticism? What made you feel like it wasn't possible for you?
1: Yeah, I think I had this idea of because I we'd always worked in public radio and and so that there's this idea in public radio you can't just get a public radio show. You know, it's very difficult. There's this finite amount of time on the clock and it's you're fighting for it and so that's how but then, you know, she said, "Well, we'll we'll, we'll make a podcast." And I thought, well, who the hell's going to listen to that? I mean, I didn't even know what a podcast was, really. And so that that's where my skepticism came from. Is I was thinking about this other way of doing things, where you have a boss and an editor, and you someone's giving you space to use a recording studio, and you have to prove that it's worthy and important. And, and we took this other path, which is to say, we were going to hold ourselves to the highest standards possible, but we were just going to do it. We were just going to make it.
0: I wonder how much of that feeling
1: ties into gender,
0: Uh, I think about the gender gap in podcasting and in media in general, and I think women are much more likely to ask themselves, oh, can I actually do this? I think maybe somebody else should do this instead. When you're perfectly qualified, do you think gender played a role in that hesitancy?
1: Well, I mean, I think we're really proud of the fact that you know not only is it a female-hosted show, but we're basically, we're an all-female staff. There's another producer, Nadia Wilson, who works with us. Um, I also am proud of the fact that not only do I see myself as a host or co-creator of a podcast, but also Lauren and I are business owners. You know, we we own a business, Criminal Productions. Um, and there has never been one moment where I've thought to myself, oh, we can't or we shouldn't because, you know, we're women or I'm, I'm a woman. N- not for a second, you know. Um, and I think... Do you agree with that, Lauren? I mean, I've never.
2: Yeah, of course I do. But I also think like if you I think that's another way in which doing it ourselves has we've like
1: bypassed that. We weren't going to ask for permission.
2: I do think a lot of women in public radio struggle to sort of persuade people in their institution that their voice that they don't sound like a little girl, that they don't sound like a valley girl Mm -hmm. or, or having to sort of like make a case for the way that their voice sounds. I think we're really lucky that we just like took another path and didn't care so tell me about the money side of this you guys started making this in your closet
0: were you worried about money at the time what did you think about fundraising
1: we weren't getting paid for our time um but I never I, I don't actually I don't ever think that we expected to get paid for our time. We just we were happy to not be losing too much money in terms of getting people into studios. But we called in a lot of favors and had people do tape syncs for us. But we really, you know, I think at the we didn't make a penny. I guess we never paid ourselves. We paid ourselves we did making criminal for a whole year. And that December we paid ourselves back for the money that we had all put out of our pockets. Um and I think then it was only about a thousand dollars a piece that oh, we I think it was less. Yeah, it was maybe less than that. Um and, and that felt like like a crazy thing that we could actually pay ourselves back. And then it took another oh, it took another few months to even start seeing any revenue. Um And I remember thinking when we got that first thousand dollar check from an, a sponsor that we read, you know, I think our first ad ever was Audible. And we got this check and I just thought this is the craziest thing. This worked. Lauren, oh, my gosh, this actually worked. We, someone is paying us money to make this thing and no one's telling us what to do. And um, it was a very big deal to start seeing that this show was making any type of revenue because we knew we were going to do it no matter what. But I don't think we expected we would profit from it at all.
0: How do you feel like that mindset shaped the show? Like, how does it shape the way the show sounds and
2: feels to not have money and profit as the goal? We don't approach these stories in terms of what we think will please the maximum number of people. Like, we don't think, like, oh, what's a story that we should do to grow our audience so we get more money or something? Like, we're not. It's It still really is about doing the most interesting things that we come across, the things that we are curious about, Um you know, versus sort of coming into it thinking like, okay, let's build a business. This is, the, this is the model for revenue in this field. How do we sort of like maximize our audience, maximize our revenue? Like what kind of content do we need to produce in order to maximize revenue? That was never part of the thinking at the beginning. And I think we've, we really, like Phoebe said, we really hold ourselves to the standard of like, let's not waste people's time, you know? Like if we don't find this story completely fascinating, we're not going to do it.
0: That was Phoebe Judge and Lauren Spohr. Thanks so much to them for talking with me honestly about their show, Criminal. You can find the show wherever you listen to podcasts and also at thisiscriminal.com. There are still a few tickets left as of me recording this episode to their live tapings in San Francisco and Los Angeles on May 11th and 12th as part of the Radiotopia live tour. Look up tickets at radiotopia.fm live.